What does it mean to live a cultivated life? To cultivate means to nurture and grow. It also means to try to develop a skill, sentiment, or quality. Losing my daughter Aria taught me that life is short, that none of us knows when our days will come to an end. How do you want to live your life? Who are the people that matter to you? Living with intention and purpose while navigating grief and loss is what the Cultivated Family Podcast is all about. I realized how important compassion for myself was in grief and how important compassion is for other people in their lives. What I want to offer is a message of hope, compassion, and love. You are not alone, my friend, so let's dive in. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. Today, I have Rachel Richbloom on the podcast. Welcome to the podcast, Rachel. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to dive into your story and how you came to know grief and your journey with grief a little bit more. So can you share with us how you came to know grief so intimately in your life? Yeah, sure. Um, so the, the short version of my story is um, when I was 25 years old, my dad was diagnosed with um, a terminal form of brain cancer um, called glioblastoma. Um, he ended up going through treatment. Um, it went as well as it could have in terms of extending his life for the time that he had. Um, he was able to kind of fully work during that time. He was driving, he was living his life. Um, and then um, about eight months in his cancer spread. And so he died about 10 months after he was diagnosed um, when he was 58 years old. Um, and I was 26, I guess. Um, it's all a bit of a blur. So I lose mm -hmm. track of yeah. dates and yep. time pretty quickly. Um, and then about 14 months later, my mom was diagnosed with the same form of terminal brain cancer. Um, and her, her kind of diagnosis, prognosis and experience was completely different, even though it was the same disease. Um, and she ended up passing away seven weeks after she was diagnosed, um, the day after, or two days after my 28th birthday. Um, and then in that time, my brother is an addict. He's currently clean and sober, which is an amazing miracle and it is amazing. incredibly hard work every single day. Um, but that's the other layer to my story. And then somehow I managed to get married in there too, or I don't really, so, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't yeah. really know where I am or what I'm doing at any point in time, but that's been the last kind of three, four years of my life. That's a lot to go through in a short period of time. Yeah, it's a blur. And I think, you know, I'm just starting to get to the point now. Um, we're about, uh, I guess, a year and a half out from when my mom passed away and starting to or two years away and having that distance, I'm just starting to be able to go back and process everything that got up to that point, because so much of it is like these big moments, but there's so much that happens in between and mm -hmm. other, it's, it's a lot of work to go back and unpack it. Yeah. Um, and I certainly haven't had the space to do it until now. Okay. Yeah. Grief, acknowledging grief, working through grief, like needs a lot of time and mm -hmm. it's a lot of work. It's not I like something that just happens, you know, it's, it's a lot of work. Yeah. So yeah. when this happened and both your parents died so quickly of the same thing, mm -hmm. um, did you feel like you lost yourself or who you were or like, who is Rachel? Who am I now? Yeah, I think part of what I struggled with was more in the vein of not wanting it to define me. Um, mm -hmm. I would think about 
you know, how would I feel if someone told me this story about this person before I walked in a room and how other people are perceiving me? I try not to think too much about that. Mm -hmm. um, Because I think it's something we all fall victim to as like humans in the world. I do it myself still. I'm not innocent of that. Um, But I think if I were to fixate too much on that, it would both take on like a victim mentality, um, which in some cases is fine if that's helping you process. But Overall, I'm not trying to see myself as a victim here. It's just the circumstances more so Mm -hmm. that I'm in. Um, And then also seeing it as like, this isn't my identity in its entirety. Um, It's obviously a pivotal part of who I am and talking about it publicly makes it more a part of who I am Mm -hmm. than if I chose not to talk about it. Um, And that's a conscious choice I've I've made, or I guess unconscious at first, and now it continues to be a conscious choice. Um, But I find more comfort in kind of explaining and identifying how it is just a piece of my identity um, rather than, um, you know, the entire thing. Yeah, that's an interesting way to put it because a lot of times grief can manifest in that way where it's like you all of a sudden are like lost and you kind of die that day that your person died, your parents died, you know, and I, I like your perspective on that. Yeah, I think it, that can change over time. I think of how much mm-hmm. of a, it is a piece of who I am. I think obviously like it impacts who I become and it mm-hmm. will be a part of my every single day. Um, but how it, how I can define it versus how it defines me, I think is up for me to decide. Yeah, for sure. So can you offer your perspective on you you just said recently that you're able to start taking the time to work through grief and to experience it. Can you offer your perspective on like fighting grief versus allowing grief in or like letting go? Yeah, I think, and to clarify a little bit, I think it's that there's so much collateral damage that happens in and of the days of like immediate grief that there's mm-hmm. so much to take care of. Um, that it's hard to start to unpack those kind of little moments that I was talking about, or, you know, everything that happened before, during and after rather than like, in summation, the death of my parents. Um, And so that's what feels like I needed some distance from the events to even begin to unpack and think back on those moments and process them for the first time. Um, I think that grief catches up to you, I think, like any emotion. Um, you can, you can keep running, but you know, what's more, more exhausting is, is running. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it totally. turns out. And so I, you know, it's something that I've been working on myself and I'm not perfect at it at all, but, um, I do know philosophically and intellectually that when I accept how I'm feeling and lean more into it, it ends up being way less stressful, time consuming, exhausting, scary. Um, mm-hmm. then when I fight it, fight it, fight it, and then let that kind of consume me. Yeah, totally. I, a lot of times use that analogy of like holding a ball, like a big, huge beach ball underneath the water. It's so exhausting to keep holding it there. And eventually it's going to either explode out or you can take it out. Like exactly. It's up to you. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's going to come out at some point and and it can either come out gracefully or like, you know, splash water on everything. Yeah. Yeah. And and everyone around you and like come out in ways that you don't want, want it to. Exactly. Yeah. And I think, 
that's something that I, you know, am grateful to having my husband as a partner and kind of working on that. Um, I think that's a process, not an overnight thing where I can consciously decide to start handling things differently. Um, but that is like a steady presence to motivate me to be better about how I do that. And also in like being in a work setting and needing to function and be able to do other things, it's not really a choice for me to like completely shut down. Um, and so finding ways to balance those demands. Mm-hmm. How, how has your relationship been with your husband, with your grief and navigating this all? Because relationships are, can be very difficult with grief or they can be very amazing too, but they can be tried with Mm -hmm. grief. And so how has your relationship been? Yeah, it's kind of wild. We, my dad was diagnosed about a year and change after we started dating. So this kind of experience has definitely been a shared one for the bulk of it. Um, I'm eternally grateful for him and having him as a resource. I think a lot of this would have been probably impossible to get through without him. Um, Even if we didn't get it right at every single term, but just the idea of having someone um, that I was hopefully going to have the opportunity to build a life with made living worth considering Mm -hmm. um, when you're going through some of the darkest times. Um, And so I feel like we've, mastered a lot of advanced communication and dark topics that couples our age probably don't confront for a good couple of years until their Mm -hmm. marriage at the very least. Um, And so I do feel, you know, there's certainly moments where I have some guilt about like bringing him along for that ride out of something he didn't need to do and maybe did out of obligation to me rather than, you know, kind of living that 25, 26, 27 year old being in New York and like living life or being in a young, you know, in a relationship during those ages where Mm -hmm. it'd be like a little little more carefree. Um, And so, you know, we, we missed out on some of that like honeymoon phase enjoyment or even like the wedding itself is not, you know, everything about it is completely bittersweet rather than this big celebratory moment. Um, But he's continued to stand by me and I feel very fortunate for that. And honestly, as I say, like, that's the reason for continuing to, yeah. to work through things. It's motivation to try. Yeah. Yeah. Having those hard conversations, it, it like forces you to do them. Mm-hmm. I, I have talked with a lot of people where like, it's scary to have those hard conversations. It's like, well, that, I mean, once you have those hard conversations, you feel so much more connected too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think we've been tried and tested in a way, not many relationships in our early days of marriage have been. And um, there's some good that comes from that, though we would obviously have picked (laughs) none of this (laughs) experience to figure that out. Yeah. So if somebody was wanting to help another person who is grieving, who has just experienced a loss, what would you say to them? What would you tell them how they can support somebody or how they can help? Yeah, I think every person is different. And so what every person desires or needs in that sort of situation is going to vary. So there's no one size fits all. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, but do you need me to repeat that? or is, is No, it, it'll be fine. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, everyone. <laughs> yeah, you're good. Um, so I think that um, ultimately it's about showing up for the person and holding space for them. Um, and not prescribing what you think they want or need or should be doing onto them and just letting them be. Um, I think a lot of, you know, it's easy to go to the kind of platitudes of like, you're so strong, you can handle this. 
Um, but usually what someone is looking for in those situations is actually the space to be vulnerable and telling someone that they're strong and can handle it doesn't actually give them space to break down or share how they're really feeling. Um, and so that's something I feel strongly is just like a, a first piece of advice. The other one thing that drives me insane, I don't know that it drives everyone else equally as insane. So this is my own personal point of view. Um, but I really detest anyone saying like, I can't imagine. So I can't even imagine what it's like. And it's like, well, can you really not? And that like, I know you don't want to, and I know you don't have to, but can you really not even venture a guess to like a sliver of how this feels? Um, and so to me, I think saying like, I can only imagine is a much more inclusive way mm-hmm. to have that conversation um, and let them share like whether or not what you can imagine lines up with what they're actually experiencing and let them go from there rather than prescribing your own feelings to it. Yeah, that's a super interesting perspective and that we all do have our own different ways of grieving and that it's so difficult to like, okay, this is how you should treat everybody or this is what you should do. Yeah. But that's like the thing I've thought is that overall, like trying to do anything to fix the problem or the pain, mm-hmm. you know, like yeah. you can't do that. No. It's there no. and it, that's what it is. So if you just allow space for that and provide a safe space for that, that's where we can go, you know? Yeah. And I always say like the individual, like the relationship that you had to this individual is completely unique, like from person to person, but the experience of grief is universal. So no, there's no like one right way or wrong way to go about things, but there's certain aspects of it that we all can tap into and show up for someone in the right ways. Yeah, for sure. What has been something for you that has helped you a lot, like to navigate grief, to kind of express your grief or allow your grief to come out? What has been something that's been powerful for you? Yeah, I think it's been the different ways I've found access to community around grief. So I would say that started more within the form of like books around grief and loss um, that made me feel like, oh, I'm not the only one who's had this experience. There's someone who can put into words what I'm feeling in a much more like eloquent and beautiful, perfect way than I ever could kind of encapsulate. Um, and I think that evolved to something like the dinner party, um, which is an organization, a nonprofit based here in the U.S. that um, organizes groups into potluck dinner groups based on their location um, for people in their 20s and 30s who have experienced significant loss. Um, And so gathering around kind of a dinner table and having conversations with people who had had similar experiences, also very different experiences, but all gathered together around loss, I found to be really powerful. Um, And then that evolved into something like my Instagram account, which I created um, about a year and a half ago, chronicling different quotes and resources and things like that that I had found, but also engaging with people through that platform and hearing their stories and the similar, again, similarities and differences um, but also the universalities of, of grief and loss. Yeah. I've been actually interested in what is the dinner party? Like, how does it work? Cause I've seen it. I have like looked at it a little bit, but I've never like, I can't figure out how it works. It's great. I love the dinner party. Yeah. So when I, I joined originally just as like a, a dinner, dinner table, like dinner party table person, um, just as a guest. And so I would meet with a group of people every six to eight weeks or so um one of us would host we'd have a potluck dinner around the table there's no kind of prescribed conversation or anything like that it's not 
you know, professionally facilitated. It's just meant to bring people together. And for some people, that's the first time they're sitting in a room with someone who's experienced loss like they have. And so there's a lot of power in that. Um, since then, I've evolved to also host for the dinner party. Um, so now I host a table every six weeks or so, um, have a group of people over to my apartment. And again, we just kind of gather and talk. And there's usually something timely, you know, whether that be right before the holidays, uh, before Mother's Day or Father's Day, which is particularly terrible holidays that should not exist anymore. Um, <laughs> you know, just my personal opinion. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> they're just meant to torture us. Yeah. Um, but anything, you know, or anniversaries or um, life events that are happening for us that we, you know, just wish we had our person there to talk about. Yeah, for sure. Is there a memory of your mom or dad that you'd want to share that is your favorite? I mean, I have to give them both. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can't pick a favorite. Yeah. Um, so my favorite memory with my mom was when I was like seven years old. And my dad was on a business trip and my brother had like a sleepover at a friend's house. So it was like just the two of us, which, you know, as a little kid, you're like, that's the coolest mm-hmm. thing that could ever happen. And my mom let me eat cantaloupe and lemon heads for dinner. And we watched Gigi, which was a movie, like an old movie that she liked when she was growing up. Um, and that was like our night. But I like wrote about it in my diary and like I had the best dinner ever. You know, like that was such like a monumental <laughs> occasion. Yeah. Like seven-year-old. Um, so that always has like sweet memories for me. Um, with my dad, I think that for me, my experience with him is more in just like seeing elements of myself or what I'm doing in my day to day and what he did. Um, Cause he was a TV news producer and I work part of my job is working with media. And so just being like in a control room or on a TV set and just feeling that energy that he, that like, so enamored him um, and feeling that in my life too. Yeah. Thank you for sharing those yeah. beautiful memories. It'd be unfair to share one and not the other. Yeah, no, for sure. I I meant both of them, I guess. No, no, no. <laughs> my dad would prefer that I just talk about my mom. My mom would prefer that we talk about her. So it, it all worked out, but I have to give them both. Credit. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So at the end, I always ask um, cultivating compassion questions. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm going to dive into those right now. Okay. Okay. What is one thing that you could offer to someone who is struggling and feels alone in their pain? your time and energy and focus like just paying attention to them and giving them space to use it however they'd like becoming aware of their time energy focus so you're saying. yeah and just like yeah and just like having the empathy to show up for them in the way that they want to be heard okay. and seen what is one book that has encouraged you and helped you so the can I give two answers? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Hard to pick one. Yep. Two is honestly narrowing it down a lot. Um, the first book, book I read around grief and loss, which opened me up to the whole like kind of concept of there being community around grief, um, was When Breath Becomes Air by Paul Kalinzi. Um, so again, just like for the sheer fact that it opened me up to this whole genre and world. Um, and then my favorite book, which I regularly buy for people in my life and send them copies, whether they ask for one or not, um, is Modern Loss by Rebecca Soffer and Gabrielle Berkner. I think it's a great 
beginner level book for people who have experienced loss or is looking are looking to support the people in their lives um, in a really engaging way in a way that feels like um, relatable and human um, and of this kind of century and ilk <laughs> mm-hmm. rather than any sort of like old school practices. Okay. Yeah. Thanks for sharing those. I'll have to look into both of them. I actually haven't read either of those. I've seen oh, really? Modern Loss a lot, but I just yeah. haven't. I feel like there's so many books that I'm like trying to get to. Oh my gosh. No, yeah. You can never finish reading. I know every time yeah. I'm like, no, I haven't heard of that one. Yeah. Add that to, you know, yeah. Add my, that Amazon, to the, my Amazon yeah. cart is just, yeah, all the books for when I yeah. have a rainy day. Yeah. So what would you wish that someone who has never had to say goodbye to both of her parents, what would you wish that they would understand? Um, this one's tough because I did have someone ask me as, you know, in both cases, I had some opportunity to say goodbye in some form or another with my dad that felt more of a process than it did with my mom. I think, but I also think that it's impossible to know everything when you're saying goodbye that you want to say, um, because I don't know who I'm going to be in 30 years and wish I had asked or said or mm-hmm. told them. Um, so I don't want to prescribe too much to what, I just think it's more about having the opportunity to genuinely thank them and tell them that you love them and that they, you know, provided for you what they always meant to. I think, you know, particularly with parents, as we get older, we start to realize maybe where they maybe made mistakes, um, which are truly just human error um, and they meant their best. And so just the opportunity to like release some of any guilt that they may have and for you also to release any anger that you may have about, choices that they made and knowing that it was like them just doing their best and figuring it out as they went along. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for sharing a small part of your story. <laughs> I know it, yeah. I feel like <laughs> grief, <go> forever. <laughs> I know grief is like such a deep, deep thing. There's so many parts to it, but I appreciate you opening up and sharing a little bit into your, your journey with grief. How can people connect with you and continue to follow your journey? Yeah, so Instagram is the best place to find me. And obviously, you can always DM me or leave comments or um, I always check. And then I also have an email address listed there that you can always reach out. Um, my That is that good grief um, at that good grief on Instagram, that good grief at gmail.com. Um, I also maintain a list of grief, grief resources that I found helpful. Um, and so anyone can always reach out and shoot me an email and I'm happy to send that full list back to you. Perfect. Thank you for sharing. Thanks, Rachel, for being here. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. If you are a grieving mom looking for more support and guidance from others who have also walked the journey of saying goodbye to their child, I have a free Facebook group called um, Living with Grief, Child Loss with Megan Hillica. You can go to www.facebook.com slash groups slash cultivated family. And in my group, I work really hard to keep it a safe space and also a place of hope and light after loss. There's definitely room for talking about your experience with grief. There's room for talking about how it can be so hard, but I definitely want to keep it a place where hope and encouragement exists and where we can support each other on what is a really, really difficult journey. And if you want the support Um, of others and a place where I know other groups can feel so heavy 
I really want it to be a place where you can come and feel comfort and support and guidance and kind of like uplifted in this grief journey. Come join me and all the other moms in there at www.facebook.com slash groups slash cultivated family.